Azinglar Daily examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the Housing Wire newsroom. Each afternoon, the HW Digital team provides our listeners with a deeper look into the stories that are helping move markets forward. Hosted and produced by Alcina Lloyd and Victoria Wickham. And now, here's our host. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today, you'll be listening to our HW Plus Managing Editor, Brenna Nath. In this episode, Nath speaks to Greg McBride, Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Analyst for Bankrate.com, about the Biden administration's recent announcement on an extension of COVID-19 forbearance and foreclosure relief programs for homeowners. During the interview, he gives a recap on the past extensions, the pros and cons of the latest extension, and at what point he thinks the extensions will stop. But before we listen, here's a brief word on Housing Wire's newest podcast. Right now, more than ever, the housing industry has been having honest conversations about how race impacts the home buying process. To heighten the discussion, Housing Wire is launching Honest Conversations, a new mini podcast series to examine the state of minority home ownership in America. For eight weeks starting in February, please join Housing Wire Daily each Wednesday as we aim to provide listeners with a greater perspective on how race, housing, and wealth intersect and what experts are doing to close the home ownership gap. We're excited to have Greg McBride. He is the Senior Vice President, Chief Financial Analyst for Bankrate.com and HousingWire Daily. Over there, he leads a team which is responsible for researching financial products, providing analysis, and advice on personal finance to a vast consumer audience. You're probably familiar with him. We've had him on the podcast before. And this time, we're excited to tap into more than a quarter century of his knowledge and experience in personal finance to talk more about his reaction to the Biden administration's recent extension of the COVID-19 forbearance and foreclosure release programs for homeowners. So first off, thanks so much for joining us, Greg. That's great to be here, Brenda. Thanks for having me. Jumping right into that first question, you know, this is not the first kind of extension that we've heard out of not just the Biden administration, but we also know the Trump administration also was putting out these extensions. So can you, since there's been so many in a handful of extensions, can you give like a quick recap or, I mean, as thorough as you think is important of the extensions that have happened along with this latest one? Yeah, I think the one of the reasons that we've seen so many of these different extensions is that not any one extension covers everybody. So for example, the Centers for Disease Control, uh, they've got an eviction moratorium that pertains to renters and that keeps getting extended uh, because the pandemic itself is you know, still in our midst, uh, you know, 11, almost 12 months into this. Uh, and on the homeowner side, uh, you've seen uh, it, it, um, foreclosure and uh, even forbearance uh, extensions provided the CARES Act came out almost 12 months ago, last March, and the, one of the provisions in there was the, the idea of forbearance for up to 12 months. Well, the clock is ticking. We're coming up on the end of that 12 months, and 
there are uh, a large share of those that are in forbearance that are going to roll off over the next several months. And so having some sort of extension in effect, um, while I was hoping it was inevitable, I mean, it does kind of bring it to reality simply because people are not ready to resume making the, the, the mortgage payments that they had been pre-pandemic. And this latest round of extensions pushes that time frame out to June 30th. It also extends uh, for those that are in forbearance an additional six months. So for those that had enrolled, say, in the early stages of the pandemic last year, they could get up to 18 months forbearance if their uh, financial uh, struggles because of the pandemic persist that long. It's strange to think that we're hitting the year anniversaries of things that we used to do pre-COVID. You know, it was like a year ago that we had, I was thinking about this, uh, maybe it was maybe this week about the Mortgage Bankers Association servicing conference they have every year. This year, it's a little bit different as they're kind of merging their conferences together. But just knowing to your point that these have been in effect for a year, um, looking at them, what has the impact of the extensions been over time? I know you've mentioned even like they keep getting dragged out. So maybe starting with when they first came out, okay, this was the thought of the impact that you thought that would come from these extensions to this latest one, carrying everything out till June. What do you think that means for um, one side consumers to extend it again, but maybe another side, we've had a lot of discussions over here about the servicing industry, how we're kind of keeping a close eye. The government is keeping a close eye on them to see how they're able to respond to the end of these forbearances, like the forbearance, uh, now that's extension, what does that look like? So I guess that'd be the twofold of the question of like, how is the impact of this change over time? And what does that impact look like since it has been extended? Well, you're right. I mean, the pandemic has, uh, you know, I think, you know, certainly if we go back to last March, I, I think the general consensus was that this was going to be sort of a hitting the pause button economically for a few months, and then we kind of get back to normal. Well, you know, here we are a year later and almost a year later, and we're not back to normal, right? So that has certainly persisted a lot longer. And so a lot of these relief measures in place, and particularly as it pertains to, you know, forbearance and, and foreclosure, uh, those are still in effect and, and the, those timetables keep being expanded. And, 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 you know, I think there's been benefits to that, you know, certainly that has helped millions of homeowners um, you know, forbearance has helped them stay current on their their mortgages, even if they you know haven't been able to make their payments. They're not being counted as late, and so uh, maintaining that credit rating is going to be very important for them to be able to rebuild the, their financial lives post pandemic when they get back to work or when their income returns to normal. But yes, it does not come without cost. So while there, I think, has been a you know a greater good in keeping people in their homes, uh, keeping them in a situation where they are, are able to stay in their home and then have a shot at resuming payments as normal post-pandemic, um, it, it does. It places a burden on the servicing industry for sure. Uh, we saw last year Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, uh, their, their regulatory agency, uh, Federal Housing Finance Agency, instituted that 25 basis point adverse market refinance fee to compensate for that. So yes, it's, it's not without cost. And I think one of the other things that really gets overlooked time and time again, even with a lot of these extensions, are the impact on mom and pop landlords. Um, you know that you know a lot of these eviction uh, moratoriums that are in effect. You know the, the the flip side of that is there are mom and pop investors kind of built their retirement around the fact that they may have two or three rental properties, um, and so rental assistance to kind of 
you know, make the tenant whole, make the landlord whole and, and, you know, bring the tenant current. That always seems to be a missing piece of the puzzle. Those moments, uh, I guess the waterfall impact to that last point goes right into my next question for you. I wanted to pause real fast and read the quote that spurred question number three. And you, in your reaction piece, you mentioned that the year-long forbearance initially afforded through the CARES Act seems sufficient at the time, but the pandemic and its economic fallout is dragging out far longer than expected. So how would you weigh the pros and the cons? I think you just mentioned the cons being, and so maybe there's more that you could expand there, the cons being, you know, the mom and pop investors, the people who are expecting this for retirement to the pros that it is helping home homeowners. Is there anything else that you would add to that pro and con list? Well, I, I just think big picture, it's, you know, this has been incredibly, uh, you know, disruptive just from uh, a, a labor market standpoint, uh, you know, there are over 20 million Americans drawing some form of unemployment compensation right now. Um, and, you know, obviously financially devastating for those that have seen income disruptions. We found more than 40% of households are bringing in less income now than they were pre-pandemic. And that's what makes payment relief options, be it for mortgages, credit cards, car loans, whatever, that's what makes those payment relief options so important. Just, you know, helping consumers get to the other side of this, um, how, you know, it, it's just taken getting to the other side of the pandemic has taken a lot longer than I think a lot of us envisioned at the outset. 40%, that that's a stat I hadn't seen before. At what point do you think that these extensions will stop? Do you like, is there certain maybe, and maybe a better way to ask that question is rather than at what point do you think these will stop? Is there anything that as, um, you know, someone who's watching the data closely that you're looking for in the data that shows signs of, hey, this is probably the last time, what would that period look like metrics or just in general, a qualitative answer for when it will stop? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll cut to the chase and say that, you know, this, this extensions that we've seen now through June 30th, those probably won't be the last. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, what do we have to see happen? Two things. One, you know, obviously the pandemic itself, we've got to get that in the rearview mirror. Um, however, we measure that, right? Whether it's herd immunity or vaccinations reaching a certain number of, of, of households, whatever, we've got to get to that point. Um, but then secondly, even then, we got to recognize that even post-pandemic, we're still going to have this lingering hangover of long-term unemployment. We got over 20 million Americans drawing some form of unemployment compensation right now. Not all 20 million are going back to work at their previous income the day the pandemic is, is behind us, the day that we're given the all clear. It's just not going to happen. It's going to take time. And those numbers have to come down meaningfully, I think, before we're in a position where you, know, you can start to see these, these programs be sunset. So like I said, I... I I'm, I'm happy to see that we've seen this extension to June 30th because that's just the, what the reality of the situation calls for. Uh, but I also think as we get closer to June 30th, we're going to recognize that you know all is not going to be sunshine and daffodils come July 1st, that we are going to need uh, further extensions. I will welcome the warmer weather, though. That is something I will, <laughs> I will accept that comes in June. That's a pretty universal sentiment. That's <laughs> Especially um, across the nation right now where it's pretty chilly. Well, in, in that response, I know you just touched on kind of, you know, the jobs report, the current people who are on under, un unemployment. You've also mentioned the people who have dropped in income right now that they're making. Looking at all of the forbearance announcements, I know there's been a lot of different data points that you've shared, that the industry shared. 
What is one that maybe you're paying attention to very closely outside of maybe jobs since we've touched on that, but, or something that you think people aren't paying attention to when it comes to this data that you think is important to highlight? Here's a number that concerns me. Uh, of those in forbearance that have you know been in forbearance really since the outset uh, of the CARES Act, 14% of those borrowers are rolling off without a solution in place. Um, wow. You know, the vast majority of these uh, forbearances, people either kept up with their payments or they, they made a plan at the end that they were going to you know, tack that onto the end or they got a, a loan modification to adjust their, their payments or they, you know, they were able to refinance the loan or in a very small number of cases, they, they exited the home you know, through a sale, short sale, deed in lieu of foreclosure, whatever. But 14% of those in forbearance are rolling off um, and just kind of basically falling off the grid in a way, in the sense that, you know, one of the things I preach to consumers, so blue in the face, is the payment relief options are available, but you have to raise your hand and ask for it. And so, you know, what I always say to consumers is, as you're coming up on the end of that forbearance period, be it the initial six months, the second six month period, or even these three month uh, incremental extensions, You've got to reach out to the lender and or your servicer and say, "Listen, I, you know things just aren't quite back to normal. I need this ex- extended further." Fourteen percent of people aren't doing that, and so to the to the industry side of it, I would say, you know, bearing that in mind, you know, maybe there's a little bit more outreach that can be, um, you know, aimed at that segment of consumers so that they don't fall off the grid because that's where the delinquencies are going to pile up that's where the future foreclosures are going to come from from those that that exited but did not have a plan in place mm-hmm. that's a great point and ties out to we always like to end with a similar question i did want to kind of expand on it we typically ask you know is there anything else you'd like to add but also knowing the impact we've had a lot of these extensions you know what we've discussed is there anything else looking at the industry whether it's servicers or lenders that you think is important while you kind of have their ear to tell them or tell them to keep in mind? Well, you know, we're, you know, we, we, we talk about the, you know, those that are in forbearance, particularly the large share of those in forbearance that came in in the early stages of the CARES Act and would otherwise be scheduled to roll off in March, April, and May of this year. You know, they now have the ability to extend a couple of additional three-month increments. But we're going to have new people coming into forbearance in the months ahead. And, and I think that was one of the, 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 the key provisions uh, that was announced yesterday is the enrollment in forbearance has been extended through June, thir- June 30th. Um, you know, there's still uh, between state programs and uh, the pandemic unemployment assistance program for self-employed and gig workers, there's still more than a million Americans filing new unemployment claims each week. Uh, and so we're not, out of the, the woods by any means. We're still going to have more homeowners coming into forbearance in the months ahead. Um, and I just, you know, that again, there, there's long-term unemployment is going to be an issue that persists throughout 2021 and into 2022. So yeah, a lot of these people that are entering forbearance now, they, you know, they, it, it may not be short-lived. They may be in for a while. I know that's something we've been watching closely um, and I know we've probably, we're probably going to chat with you again here, Greg, in the future, kind of as these data points and extensions kind of keep coming out and following the different ways that the industry is reacting from the borrower perspective to the industry's perspective. So always appreciate you kind of coming on here, digging through the data, the impact of it, um, and just sharing your knowledge with our audience. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it.
Thanks. Have a great day. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow.